0: Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we hear from European Tour Rookie of the Year, Robert McIntyre, and discuss the return of golf in England.
1: Hi guys, Justin Rose here, and welcome to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast.
0: Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, my name is Tom Clark. And although I'm still stuck at home with the uh, with the majority of everybody else out there, I am joined over the uh, the joys of the internet by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hi,
2: Tom. Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. Sat in my office. Sun is shining through the window. Golf clubs are
0: out and clean and ready for my first game in
2: a couple of days. So, yeah, yeah. all good.
0: Yeah, so, no, no, well, there's no shock that you're straight out there, uh, uh, is it? Um, so, there is obviously great... Big news this week um, with the news from the world of golf and from the government that um, for people in England at least that golf courses are now reopening and from today which is Wednesday uh, people could start playing again and we've had so many pictures and videos and tweets and Facebook posts and all kinds of stuff and people enjoying their first round of golf in several several weeks and everybody's really enjoying, uh, enjoying the game and loving it. And it looks at the moment that everybody's taking advice that has been told and um, they're getting on and enjoying the game again.
2: Yeah, in, in what is quite sombre times, it's definitely a, a sort of party atmosphere for golfers. Obviously yeah. taking things very seriously. We've got a lot of responsibility to uh, to lead the way, I guess, because we're one of the first sports but uh, it's just, yeah, a great day. I didn't really think I missed golf too much, to be fair. But when I got the clubs out and gave, them a, gave the clubs a little waggle, uh, I, yeah, I got very excited about playing again.
0: So, Elliot, you, you explain to, to the listeners. You've, got, you've, booked, you've managed to book a tee time, haven't you, for Friday at your, at your golf club. Talk them through the process of how you've, you've had to do that and what you're having to do to, to um, get that and what you're going to have to do when you get there on Friday. Yeah, so England Golf
2: stipulated that you can only play if you have an online booking, which I think is very fair enough. Obviously, you don't want too many people turning up at the same time, trying to get out. Uh, So our system is Intelligent Golf. Intelligent Golf crashed yesterday, just like a few other systems did as well. I think the demand was like 400% on what it normally is. Just managed to get my tea time for Friday. Going to turn up, I think, 10 minutes before our time. Uh, Obviously, no interaction between my dad and I, apart from chatting. We're not going to be breaching that six-foot gap. Uh, No touching flags. What else have we got to do? No no ball washing as well. So we play with dirty golf balls, um, which shouldn't be too bad because it's very sunny. And, you know, all the other things that we said before. But like we said last week, it's still a very good representation of golf.
0: Yeah, and and you've said that you've, obviously you're playing with your dad, and you don't live with your dad. But you are golfers aren't allowed to play around the golf with one other person from outside of their household. So if you are playing with someone outside your household, you can play as a maximum two ball to so just you and someone else from another house. Um, if you are live with lots of golfers, which some of you will, uh, you can, if your club allows, uh, play as a four ball. I believe is that right, Leo? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Yeah, there was a bit of confusion
2: about that, wasn't there? Initially on Monday, it was you can only play on your own or with a member of your household. And then Dominic Raab came out in the morning on breakfast television and said you can go and meet up with people in the park from other households, just one. And then suddenly the RNA changed their rules as well. So, yeah, I think it's the right thing to do. When I saw that you can only play on your own, I was a little bit disappointed. And uh, I think, yeah, the right decision's been made. Obviously, like I said earlier, we've got a lot of responsibility, but I think that we can, you know, get out there safely. And it looks like we already are.
0: Yeah. And, and, and that's it. Exactly. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I mean, obviously, in these horrendous times, this is just a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel for people who enjoy playing golf and are able to go out and, and exercise in a responsible and safe manner. Uh, Golf is one of those sports where you don't need to really interact with anybody else. You can obviously play golf on your own. And as long as people take the guidelines, and I think all the clubs from what I've seen have really taken on board all the advice, whether that's having starters who are behind face masks um, or having the flags with the uh, hole fillers in there so that the ball doesn't actually really have to go far down into the hole so you can easily get it without having to touch the flag, everything like that. Uh, I think the clubs are doing their absolutely utmost to get the game of golf going again. Obviously, it's also important for them. Um, It's a huge financial uh, burden on them when the golf course is shut. So um, uh, we want to get the golf courses full again. We want to to see golf clubs surviving these very, very tricky times, but obviously in the correct manner. And I think it's up to everybody in the golf industry and every golf fan and every golf player out there to make sure that they uh, get on with it and uh, do the right thing and um, show the rest of the rest of the country and the rest of the sports, which unfortunately haven't been able to open up, how to do it.
2: Yeah, I saw um, one club had like a laminate sheet of paper just under their flag saying like, do not touch the flag. I like that. There's a picture of that on the Golf Monthly website. But one thing I was a little bit worried about was for the private members clubs, I'm not sure how they're going to be getting any more revenue from this. Like, yep. uh, my club, for example, the pro shop's still open or it has reopened, but I don't think that's going to make a massive difference, really, is it? Like, yeah, seen, yeah. Whilst the bars are closed, because that's really where all the revenue comes, I'd imagine.
0: I mean, yeah, obviously the, the bar revenue is a huge thing, and that's that will well will come. I think that's the thing, isn't it? They've got to start somewhere. I think the, the main thing is that if people, if members are now playing again. Then obviously they also need to pay their subscriptions. Uh, some clubs I know have given people payment holidays and stuff like that, and said, "Oh, you don't need to, pl- to pay anything until we're open again," and things like that. You know, so I think that you know that is a big, big chunk of money as well. So clubs can now actually say, "Look, we're actually now kind of open; you can actually now play golf again." So actually, that's that's one thing. Uh, but some clubs as well who maybe don't have a huge membership. Um, which we know that there's some out there who you know rely a lot on societies and and also green fees from from non-members um, non-members can book start booking uh, green fees and and getting involved i was on the uh, one of the tea booking sites last night and there were some some slots open for a few courses near me uh, which are like pay and play courses so um there is opportunities out there isn't there
2: yeah it's it's got to be Great news for clubs that are proprietary and rely purely on visitor income, and you know they can start getting green fees back up and running.
0: And actually, it's a huge opportunity for some of them because there's, as we've already mentioned, there's a lot of sports out there which you still can't play or you can't play fully. Uh, As ever, I will talk about cricket. At the moment, I can't play cricket, but I can certainly play. Golf, so uh, I think there'd be a lot of cricketers out there looking to try and get a a tee time and playing eighteen holes, Uh, and you never know, you might actually hold on to some of these British people, uh, and you know it's a great chance to get some extra income, which which which, when you desperately need it, so um, a big opportunity for golf here. I just hope that everybody uh, behaves in the right way. As we've said, I think from what we've seen so far, it's been absolutely brilliant and actually the community has been incredible and it um everybody's got a smile on their face everybody's out there enjoying themselves uh in a responsible manner and uh, let's hope that that continues
2: yeah definitely got to uh thank the rna the pga all the golf stakeholders that have been working really hard with the parliamentary golf group to get golf back uh so yes from golf Monthly, i guess and from the whole golf community thank you to you guys And, uh, yeah, it looks like Wales is going to start playing golf again on Monday. Uh, Ireland on Monday as well. And then Northern Ireland and Scotland still to follow. So, obviously, check the Golf Monthly website for all the latest on that.
0: Yeah, hopefully they won't be too far behind. But there's one big question which I haven't asked you. uh, And that's a very simple one. And that is, uh, what do you think you're going to shoot on Friday? Uh, I
2: play a four, par 70. I... um, I'm going to try and break 80, I think. Yep.
0: (laughs) I I knew exactly what you are going to say there.
2: (laughs) You know, a a nice break might clear the mind, and uh, hopefully I'll pick it up. I, Like I said a couple of weeks ago, I did have the driver yips in my last game and sliced every single drive about 50 yards right, so hopefully I can get rid of that. (laughs) But I should be hitting the ball a lot further because obviously conditions have changed quite a lot since
0: then. It's, it's not, not that dry that you're suddenly going to be hitting 300 yards, though, is it, Elliot? So, um, <laughs> anyway, let's talk about someone who does hit the ball quite a long way and is a particularly good golfer, and that's Robert McIntyre. Now, uh, Elliot, you interviewed him recently and spoke to him about lots of different things. He's obviously European Tour Rookie of the Year last year and someone that we're, you know, is a big favourite on these shores. So uh, sit back and listen to Elliot talk to Robert McIntyre.
2: Hi, Bob McIntyre. Welcome to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Firstly, how are you getting on at home during the COVID-19 lockdown? Obviously a very common question these days.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's actually been a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. I've stayed busy. I've tried to lose some weight. so I'm doing a lot of exercise. Um, Yeah, just passing up time. Obviously good to spend time with the family as well. we, We don't usually get it this time of year. It's normally really busy but no just now it's it's not too bad
2: Yeah so you turned into a bit of a runner haven't you looking at your social media
1: um, I'm more on the peloton bike um, I'm doing more bike stuff than than running but I've been I've been doing setting me targets in the running um, and people try and say I can't do something in a certain time then I'll just go out and I'll, I'll do it so I, I get pushed by other folk as well
2: uh, so nice at home spending time with the family then.
1: Yeah, it's been good. It's been great. We just the weather's been brilliant as well, so it's uh, it makes it a little easier. Yeah, and
2: for those who don't know, you basically live on a golf course, don't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So both sides of the house are, are the golf course. Twelfth, twelfth tee, and the yeah, sixteenth tee, eleventh green are all right next to the, right next to the house within. I mean, the 12th tee right out the boundary of our house is the 12th tee right there beside it. Um, and just about 10 yards away is the uh, 16th tee, so I'm right on the course. <laughs> that must be so tempting. No, it is. It's not easy, <laughs> but it's, it's the way it is just now. If, if I do it, everyone else is going to do it, so it's about just staying safe just now. Yeah. So that's Glenn Cruton Golf Club, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Um a little is it par sixty two?
1: Yeah, so just it's a short course, but I mean,
2: looks absolutely stunning on the pictures I've seen.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, some people laugh when I say a par sixty two, but uh, nah. If you come up and play this place, you better bring your bring your bag of balls.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's why you got such a great short game as well.
1: Nah, it's uh, it's just so different. Um, you don't just you're not hitting driver after driver after driver. You've got to. Worked your way around um, and not... I mean, you hit it offline, you lose your golf ball. It's just as simple as that.
2: Yeah. Um. And, yeah, back to your family. People may not know as well that your parents foster children.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, that
2: must be really cool.
1: Can you no, talk a bit good. about that? Um. Yeah, so we've done fostering for around about six, seven years now. Um. Just now we've got two boys... Uh, age six and thirteen. Um, so no, it's just something that my mum always wanted to do it from when we were growing up, but it was getting the time to to be able to have, have more folk, um, and we decided to do it uh, a few years ago. And no, it's been great. You, it's the way we see it is about the progression of kids. Um, if you give them the opportunity, they will progress, and they. The ones that get into foster care are normally the lucky ones um, that get a second chance at life, really. And there's so many out there that that aren't in foster care that have slipped through and aren't getting the help. But we just want to try and help the ones that, as many as we can. And just now it's the two boys.
2: Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, Are they golfers?
1: Uh, They're getting into it. We've got them. Well, you can't come into this family and not play golf. So. (laughs) No. um, No, we're trying to get them get them both playing. Yeah. Right,
2: so back to what's going on at the moment. There was a, a leaked email from Keith Pelley recently about how the European Tour will look radically different when it returns. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And, you know, what's going on in the golf schedule at the moment?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not really... I'm not too clued up. I don't read too many emails. Um, when I get the nod from my manager and stuff to say, right, tournaments are starting back, on a certain date then I'll weigh up where they are what events they are and whether I go to them I mean it's for me just now it's not about golf I'm not really worried about golf I mean obviously I had a good year last year which kind of eases that pressure on me financially but for me just now it's about staying safe and people just getting through this I'd rather I'd rather as have no no um, cases of this virus and then start golf again, then go back through it, and then one guy gets it on tour and it turns out it's just a it's a monopoly effect. So I just want to I've got to sit back and, and think about what I want to do when this all all starts back up.
2: Yeah. So you got into golf at play, playing at Oban, sorry at Glencruton, is that right?
1: Yeah. So when I was pretty much as soon as I could walk, I played at um uh, from my dad. Just obviously we've lived in the same area for the last well, since I was born, so um it's been easy that just go out there at night with him and hit a few balls and yeah, so it's been it's been in the blood since I was born.
2: Nice. Uh when did you know that turning pro would be an option?
1: Uh I didn't really 16, sixteen, seventeen year old was when I really thought, right, I need to give this a go. Um, I played Scottish, well I won the Scottish boys stroke play by nine shots with stupid scores, I mean it was, it was probably the, one of the best tournaments I've ever had in my life uh, and that was really, a, I realised right, I'm better than I thought I was so um, that's when I really pushed on.
2: We had Scott Gregory on the podcast quite recently, spoke about your uh, amateur championship final match yeah. Um he had lots of great things to say about you, he said you guys still keep in touch and wish each other well.
1: Yeah, so obviously, I mean, that was a good final, got it to lose it, but no, Scott's been, I've known Scott since we were kind of younger, playing in the, the Scotland and England boys teams, um, but no, I Scott's been going through a tough part in his golf career lately and he's he's starting to come through it. And, it's great to see I mean, I try and encourage him as much as I can. Um, I still give him a wee slagging now and again with his, er- his early starts. I mean, I'm not seeing him before eight o'clock unless I'm going out a run. Um, <laughs> but he's up crack of dawn, but no, Scott's a great guy, and two of us got on well.
2: Yeah, can you believe, really? Like last year, he missed 19 cuts in his rookie season, and you won rookie of the year made all the money, all those runner-up finishes.
1: Yeah, it's just different people react differently. I mean, look at Justin Rose when he came out. He he struggled as well, but I mean, I don't know, I just felt comfortable where I was. Um, I've done a few things, changed a few things in my life to make me enjoy golf more, which is huge for me. I mean, if I'm not enjoying golf, it's like anyone not enjoying their work. They're not going to produce their best, their best stuff, so I changed quite a few things on that front and uh, it paid off big time come middle to the end of the season.
2: Can you open up on what those things you changed were?
1: Yeah, so I finished in Morocco. Well, I went to Morocco not wanting to go, I wasn't wanting to go to Morocco. Met to be going to China on the Sunday night flight. Uh, Missed the cut in Morocco. So Friday night, I phoned my manager and said, I'm not going to China, I'm not enjoying golf. I flew home, um, sat my mum and dad and my whole team around around me down, and said, "Look, I need to do something different here." Uh, my dad knew exactly what I was getting at, uh, and I just said to him, "I'm going to start playing shinty again." And that's where I played a game that week. That weekend, went to training Tuesday, Thursday, played a game Saturday, bus away game, bus journey home with the boys, um, a few beers. Just enjoying life. Uh, went to British Masters on the Monday and I've not looked back since.
2: So that was last year where you decided that?
1: Yeah, last year. Middle of last year. The week before British Masters. Right. And then every weekend, every week I had off, I'd be doing the same.
2: Yeah. yeah. You seem in a really good, happy place in your life. So what is Shinty exactly?
1: Um, it's a Gaelic, um, Highland Gaelic sport. It's just it's like a cross between, I'd say, hockey and hurling, the Irish sport. Rough, but it's like a, it's for me where I'm brought up. It's like a religion. I mean, you either play. You're brought up playing shinty in schools and stuff, so that was where I was. I was introduced to it early on. Um, my dad was a good player. Uncle was a good player. My partner was a good player, so it was all past... It was passed through the, the age groups.
2: Yeah, and um, back to you. You turned pro after the Walker Cup in 2017. And I read that you weren't actually planning to turn pro.
1: Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So um, after the Walker Cup, I was still, I'd, I'd signed an Am to Pro deal with Bounce Sports Management, who I'm with just now. And I wasn't sure. I mean, I, I'm not from a money background, so I didn't have finances to to just go, right, I'm going to go and do this. Um So I signed with Bounce for the reason that they had backing for me uh, through Aberdeen Asset and Scottish Golf and stuff. So I was meant to be going to the Mina Tour before tour school out in the Middle East. And I thought about it. Just one night I was sitting there thinking about it and I thought, what's the point me Going out here as an amateur, spending a lot of money and not earning anything. When I could go out here, OK, I might not play well, I might not make any money, but if I play well, I can make money. So I pretty much said to my manager, right, I'm going to turn pro when I go out here. And he was in a bit of shock. Um, but no, everything's, everything went to plan out there. Obviously, I done well. And then we just kept kept things rolling.
2: Yeah, so it's right you played two events on the MENA Tour, finished second and first.
1: Yeah, so I played um Jordan and Kuwait. And my first round in Jordan was my first event first round as a pro. I struggled uh I think it was six five over par. Um but then I just went I just I settled into it and, and started started going daft.
2: So you you won in your second event as a professional?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: So <laughs> what a start.
1: No, it was good. Um, But again, I felt my game was in a good place. Um, Obviously from the Walker Cup, playing well out there and then just continued it.
2: Yeah, so looking back on that Walker Cup team, you um, so far have had the most success out of all the GB&I guys. Why do you think that is?
1: I'm not too sure. I mean, I found the team that I've got around me is a team that I mean touch wood that I'm gonna have for years and years and years to come. Um I mean a lot of people tell you to do things differently. A lot of people look at the way I do things and go, what is he doing? I mean I had it I had it a lot of last year when um a lot of the, the guys started hearing that I was playing shinty again. And they're like, what are you doing? You're an idiot. But it's just it makes me work. I mean from management side of things, I mean my manager I take care of all my finances and stuff. No one touches that. My manager deals with everything. Um, travel. Sponsorships. Um, my caddy deals with everything on course. I mean, he's just like, if he's if I'm not ready to play a golf tournament, he's not ready to play a golf tournament. The two of us are, are working hard. My coach, I mean, he's there to try and get me swinging it as freely as possible, the way I play golf. And, it just allows me that when I step in that first tee come Thursday, I'm not worried about one thing other than hitting that first tee shot. Um, And that's the way I've got to play.
2: That's a brilliant attitude to have. I was reading an interview you did with Golf Monthly last year, and you said about playing in the Scottish Open with Rory McIlroy and how starstruck you were. Yeah. That must have been amazing.
1: Yeah, that was, I mean...
2: I assume, sorry, you must have been watching Rory a decade ago or eight, seven years ago and, you know, idolising him.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I've watched so many major majors on TV and you watch these guys, um, Rory and Ricky, playing Unreal. Obviously, Rory winning a few, uh, Ricky coming so close to a few. So, when I got the opportunity to play in, play in my first Scottish Open, um that was a big enough deal for me, but then when I got asked if I'd be all right with the with the draw of uh, Rory and Ricky, I was a wee bit like, "Wow, this is this is just stepping up another level." Um, but no, it was brilliant. The, the amount of things that I learned from that week and the things that I gained on course were just unbelievable. Yeah, what did you learn from Rory? Just how, I mean, how nice he was. I mean, he's He's the best in the world, in my eyes. He's been the best in the world for years in my eyes. Um, and just the way he went about business. I mean, he's so underrated. He's his short game, his chipping and stuff is just out of this world. And people always say he's a great ball striker. I knew he was a great ball striker. Um but until you see it up up close you don't realise how how good he really is. Yeah. Uh who else have you been starstruck then?
2: in your star up by in your rookie season
1: um, the only other ones was um, Ernie Ells and Charles Swartzel in yeah. in South Africa SC Open I played with them final round but again Ernie Ernie made me feel feel at ease because I played with him on Saturday uh, him and his nephew and no he's just such a nice guy that that was the moment I mean I Try to tee the ball up on the Sunday, Sunday um, morning tea time, and the ball would hardly stay in the tee when it was getting teed <laughs> up. I was that nervous, but that's when I realised that I was, I was where I wanted to be on, on the golf stage.
2: Yeah, uh, another amazing thing about you is that you, you played in one major and you finished sixth. I find that incredible.
1: Yeah, again, that's down to the team that I've got around me. That's not just me. Um, obviously, I'm the only one that hits the shots, but. I'd played Port Rush in the home international. So I'd probably played it about ten times prior to that. I didn't see the new i hadn't seen the new holes, but I knew going to the tournament. There was only really one tee shot that I hated. And that was the first tee shot. Um and other than that, I absolutely loved the golf course. And I just knew that if I turned up there with my B game, then I'd have been I'd have made the cut, but I didn't expect me to be playing tea to green as good as I did and unfortunately the putter wasn't wasn't that hot that weak. And but no sixth place was I mean I couldn't have dreamed of that better <laughs> yeah was that nerve wracking your first ever major it was I mean first tee shot was was like hell I mean I didn't know what to do but again once you get into the into the rhythm of it through two holes you're you're just playing another golf tournament
2: yeah but the, the Open's an incredible tournament, isn't it? Obviously, I've only been there as a, a journalist covering it, but just the grandstands, the amount of people, it really is a huge event.
1: Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, I, walking up the on the Sunday, walking up 18, um, and I knew that I had to make... If I made birdie, I was going to finish top 10. Um, so the feeling that I got when I was walking up there with the grandstands, um, almost full. I mean, holding a putt and the crowd's going mad. And, nah, it's just, it's where you want to be. It's, it's what you play golf for.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Did you go out into the town, nuts? No, we went for, again, I had I had my whole family over. So, I, I had a house um, in, I think it was the next town along, is it Port Stewart? Uh, yeah. I think it is. So, I had a house, booked a house there for the week and had the whole family over. So, we we're kind of cooking in most of the week Uh, but we went we went to the bistro down in the middle of town uh, one night for dinner.
2: Yeah uh, also that week I'm sure you get asked this in every interview you uh, you called out Carl Stanley for not shouting for when he hit a couple of balls into the crowd Uh, got a lot of praise for that but it was a quite a big story that week what was that
1: like? Yeah it was I mean I didn't expect it to go as as big as it was I was just trying to simply tell him to shout four as any golfer does, but it got so much attention that actually I was worried that um, it was going to affect my golf, but with the folk that came out and backed me, it made me at ease. I was just there to play golf. I was playing good golf, so I knew I was in the right and I just had to go out there and keep playing some good golf.
2: Yeah, that must have been the first time that you were in the media to that extent. But both in the US and in Europe as well.
1: Yeah, it is, but again I would do it. If it happens again with someone I'll I mean I'll say it to them again. It doesn't bother me at all. It's people are there to watch golf. Good golf. Okay we hit shots offline. I hit short I hit shots myself miles offline. But as long as I give a good clear warning that my ball is Heading in a certain direction, then that's all I can do.
2: Yeah, do you think some players, especially on the PGA Tour, do actually not out for to try and get a bounce back
1: into play? Couldn't tell you. I'm not. I mean, I've no. never played, never played a PGA Tour event, so it's it's something I couldn't I couldn't see anything about. Well, yeah, let's talk about the PGA Tour. Do you see your future playing over there? Uh, maybe. I mean, obviously, it's. It's the best players are all playing out in the PGA Tour now, but for me, just now, it's that's too far away for me. That's um, first of all, I need to try and almost conquer Europe. You're trying to do you're trying to finish as high as you can in Europe, which tries to get you into the top 50 in the world. And once you get in the top 50 in the world, then you can start talking about the PGA Tour.
2: Yeah, could you ever envisage moving to America?
1: No, I mean, I'm.
2: You seem very at home in Oban. I'm
1: an Oban boy through and through. I just, the travel's not easy from here, but for me it's only a two-hour car journey on top of what you need to travel. So I'm not bothered about the the journey. Um, No, I probably, I don't see myself moving away from from where I am um, in my life. So how
2: often are you home during a regular season? So what is it, a couple of hours from Glasgow?
1: Yeah, so it's about two hours from Glasgow Airport. So I try and do four events, three, four events in a row in a week off. Uh, in Challenge I done. I think my max was 14 events in a row where I just kept going. But, I mean, I just try and... If I'm playing well, I'll just keep playing. I've not got, like, a schedule where I, st- I absolutely strict it. I mean, my schedule's free-flowing. If I want to keep playing, I'll just... I stay in things as long as I can um, and then just pull out when I want to. uh, And just, yeah, just if I'm not playing well, then I'll take maybe a week off, even two weeks, and sort things out and then get back on horse. But other than that, I just try and play as much as I can.
2: What's the best hotel you stayed in?
1: Best hotel. um, It might have to be the final of Race Dubai. Atlantis-Palm, that was incredible.
2: Yeah, nice. What's your favourite tournament?
1: Favourite tournament? If it's not the Scottish Open, I've got to say the British Open. Yeah, it was just um, out of this world.
2: It does, I would imagine that you wouldn't care, but were you um, worried about the field last year's British Open? So British Masters? I remember Matt Wallace said... uh, he was disappointed the top players weren't playing and supporting it.
1: No, I mean for me it, like these guys pick a they've got a because 'cause they're playing PJ tour, European tour. They've they're playing two tours. They can't they can't play everything, but I don't I mean I can't control what other folk do. I can only I pick my events like they pick their events. Um theirs are on different scales to mine, so I won't play some events and I mean it's just the way it is in golf nowadays. It's it's such a worldwide sport that I mean guys can't travel certain distances to, to try and compete at the top level and um no I don't I don't really worry about them kind of things. I just go and play my golf and see how we are at the end of the week.
2: So going forward goals finally getting the world's top fifty, you're what, 67th at the moment, I think, something like that, yeah. uh, Get getting all the majors. That's- yes,
1: that's that's really my only goal at the moment, is top 50 in the world, but I'll set little goals um, when I find out when we're back and what, what the events are going to be. I'll set little goals that um, me and my team will look at and and we'll try and knock off. And if we keep knocking them off the way we done last year, then the world's top 50 is only, only down the road.
2: Yeah, you must be itching to get a win under your belt as well after those runner-ups.
1: I am, but that's—I can't control that. Again, that's something. If I play good golf, I'll be right there on the Sunday Sunday afternoon. Uh, but again, someone might just play that little bit better than you, which has happened the last few times that I've been in in my chance. Um, and for me, I feel like things have got to go for you, as well as you playing good golf, great golf. Um, there's little things in a golf tournament that just fall your way. Like, say, Casey in, in Germany. I mean, he held two unbelievable putts in 16 and 17, which pretty much sealed it. I needed Eagle up the last, and I was watching him three-putt. So, again, I, I still gave myself a chance, but these little things, I mean, he's holding an absolute bomb on 16, which, I mean, that green is absolutely wild. And, yeah, it's just the way things Things fall for you, when, you work, when you're going to win tournaments.
2: Yeah, no, that's a good way of putting it. I, you think every single tournament the winners had a little bit of luck here, or, you know, the, I think Patrick Reed at the uh, 2018 Masters, do you remember his bull stayed on the bank on the 13th?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, just things like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, right, back to, well, let's talk about Scotland now. So Scotland has some of the world's best courses, Homer Golf. Uh, why do you think there aren't more Scottish players at in, in the top of the rankings?
1: Um, this could be a long one. This is, I mean, for me, just now, I think there's going to be, there's a group of us coming up right now that I've got no doubt that there's going to be four, five, six of us up there come a, fair few, a few years down the line even six years down the line, there's going to be young boys coming up through the ranks that, I mean, I'm seeing that are going to be on with us. Um, So right now, I think Scottish golf, I mean, Scottish professional golf is in an absolute superb place. One of the better places it's ever been, I think. But there was just, there was a gap for, I'd say, between five to 10 years, there was a gap of professionals coming through. There was great amateurs, but never never pushed on the professional game that can come from finances um, having the right sponsorship to make it make it easy on you knowing that you can stay in a good hotel feel comfortable eat the right food just do things right that gives you the opportunity and I'm thankful the opportunity I got from bounce management I mean if, if I didn't sign with them then who knows where I'd be I might still have made it, but they gave me made it easier for me to make it
2: to the European Tour. Do you feel like you're a role model to young Scottish golfers coming up through the ranks?
1: Um, I mean, obviously there's folk going to be looking up to you, but for me just now, I mean, I'm still young. I'm miles off being the complete golfer that I want to be. So, I mean, I've still got targets that I want to meet. I've got people I look up to. Um, whether it's golfers or outside of golf. It's um but no, I I speak to a few a few of the young guys that that I mean they ask me for advice and stuff. Um and no I'll give them give them, I mean some words of encouragement here and there if they need it. And so no, I just I mean obviously they're gonna look up to me but just try not to think about that kind of stuff. <laughs>
2: Yeah, they, uh, that could add a bit of pressure on, I guess. Um, yeah. So, is, a, is the Ryder Cup a big goal of yours? That's obviously very close.
1: It is. Um, it is now. I mean, it's, it's become within touching distance that I can do that as well. So, if I don't crack the top 50 in the world, I won't crack the Ryder Cup team. It's as simple as that. So, I'm not worried about that either. That's another end result. If I play good golf, then I might be there, but if it's if it was ahead this year, which it looks probably likely it's going to go ahead, but um if not, then it gives them an even better chance
2: is it hard to just concentrate on hitting golf shots in a tournament when you've got so many other things that could fall into place
1: for me no I mean I don't greg McCaddy does a great job of keeping me. Keep me on the straight and narrow, as I say. I mean, don't get me wrong. When it comes down to a Sunday afternoon, when you're in contention, you're thinking about winning. If you're yeah. not about winning, you're not human. You're not. Um, but these kind of things, like Ryder Cup, certain teams, I had it all the way through my, my amateur days, um, not getting selected for certain teams. And it just, for me, it's no, not disappointment. It's fuel to my fire. I mean, it just it gets me going. Um, people think you're disappointed no selecting you for certain things. It just gives you that extra bit of fire inside you that says, right, I'm going to prove you wrong. And that's just how how I work.
2: Mm. So what do you think about a Ryder Cup without fans? Because it, it looks quite likely that that might be the case.
1: Yeah, I just don't think it'd be a Ryder Cup. I mean, watching it on TV, it's... So on that first tee when all the chanting I mean it's become almost a stadium the first tee so it just gives you that fans make the Ryder Cup in my eyes and I see a lot of the top European guys have come out and said that as well
2: yeah would you still be excited to play in it without fans
1: yeah obviously I mean it's it's the best against the best um you yeah. some folk will never get the chance some folk will We'll get one shot at it. I mean just to get a chance at it would be unbelievable, but if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, well, there's plenty of years down the line.
2: Yeah. Right. What do you think about the distance debate? Should there be bifurcation in golf?
1: Um I don't know. If you pull back the equipment, it doesn't matter what you're you're only if you pull back the equipment. You bring other golf courses back into the frame, but um, the longest are still going to be the longest. It doesn't matter whether you're swinging a plank of wood to you're swinging a 460 driver. Um, Rory, DJ, these guys are still going to hit the ball the longest. It just The only thing that will get affected is the miss um, because obviously they'll have to make a smaller head driver to reduce... How far it'll go, and if you ask me that, that that would suit me. And I, I'd like the idea, but it'll probably never happen.
2: Yeah, well, would you think it'd be weird for amateurs not to be able to buy the same clubs that the professionals use? Yeah,
1: because we at the end of the day, we're sponsorship from manufacturers is because you sell golf clubs. Um, so you're Rory, Tiger, DJ, these guys are getting paid. Big money, for the reason that they're in the limelight, they're getting seen. People are buying golf clubs, people are buying tailor-made sim drivers because, I mean, these guys are using them.
2: Yeah, you included as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm up there, but I don't think I've got anywhere near the same effect <laughs> as as a Tiger.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm sure a lot of Scottish kids look up to you and want the made driver.
1: Ah well, you never know. Uh, <laughs>
2: And another one, slow play in golf. What's that like? Obviously, European Tour brought in quite a few measures the last season.
1: Is that helping? It's it's definitely helping. I hate it, slow play. Um, I mean, I've had a few rants on my time. I remember Morocco again. That place, Morocco, just isn't for me just now. Uh, I was playing with, him, I think it was Renato Paratori, who is the fastest man on tour. Uh, and I can't remember who the other playing partner, it might have been uh, Stuart Manley maybe, or even David Law. And um, I remember standing in the second tee and the game in front of us was already a hole behind and we'd played two ho- we'd only played a hole. I mean, they'd played two holes and they're a hole behind the game in front. And it's There's only so much the rules officials can do. And I think the measures give them more opportunity to get the slow players penalised for slow play.
2: Yeah. It it certainly harms the entertainment factor as well. I yeah. Personally I've I've had to turn golf off a couple of times because you know, the final group have taken an hour and a half to play the first six holes and yeah. You got work in the morning and you can't stay up.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it's slow play. It doesn't matter where you're playing now, it's it is it's a big problem.
2: All right, Bob. Uh, thanks a lot for joining the podcast this week. I appreciate that. Good luck with the rest of this lockdown. I think it it might be ending soon. Maybe that's something I wanted to ask you as well. Actually, do you think courses will be open soon? What's your gut feeling?
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, as long as it's safe to do so, um, I've seen a couple of couple of things saying the eighteenth might be when it's when it starts again, but. If it's not safe to do so, then why open golf courses? It's I know you can self distance, but everyone's got to go to that hole at the end of the I mean on the green at the end of the hole. So um everyone goes to that point and it's just how safe can it be? And who knows if it's safe to do so, fire in playing golf, but um no, it's something that needs a real a real thought about.
2: Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Bob. Uh, good luck with uh, that top 50 goal. Hopefully, see you on Ryder Cup teams in the future. Cheers. And, uh, winning trophies.
1: Spot on. Thanks very much. Cheers, Bob. Cheers. So, there you go. There was Robin McIntyre
0: talking to Elliot. And very interesting his thoughts on the Ryder Cup there. He obviously wants to be part of the Ryder Cup, but thinks that you know, even if the Ryder Cup takes place, it'd be much better if it had fans. And he's not the only one who's come out and spoken about that recently. Today, uh, Brooks Koepka mentioned that he didn't think that the Ryder Cup should happen if there isn't any fans there. Um, and there's been more and more people thinking, uh, talking about this, haven't they?
2: Yeah, uh, John Rahm, Roy McElroy, Brooks Koepka, top three players in the world, all guaranteed to play. All don't think it should go ahead without fans. So... For the event organisers, that's certainly going to be a headache on top of what they've already got.
0: Yeah, and it's obviously we're how many months away now? What Four months away and a bit, maybe from the Ryder Cup. Uh, maybe um, five. Yeah. So yeah. So four and a half, five. So it's it's is it doable with fans? Potentially, we just don't know what's going to be happening in America. America, obviously, at the moment, still having big issues with the coronavirus and uh, you know, and and infections, and unfortunately deaths as well. Uh, but they are they want golf and sport to come back as quick as possible. At the moment, PJ Tour is due to have an event in the middle of June, and they're going. Uh, well, that will that will definitely be behind closed doors with no fans. Uh, but they'll be desperately trying to somehow get it so that fans can get to the Ryder Cup if the Ryder Cup still takes place. Um, and the way that everything's happening at the moment you think actually this schedule is now going to take place so um well how how long do you think they can give before having to make a decision on the Ryder Cup
2: I think Paul McGinley told Sam Tremlett our writer that it takes about four months for all the grandstands to go up so it's going to be very soon I wouldn't be surprised if we get an announcement in the next week or so the way I see it is that without a vaccine surely you can't have mass gatherings. So I know the PGA Tour is having the first four events without fans, but surely there can't be any fans for the rest of the year. And that includes the Ryder Cup, which surely means they've got to postpone it.
0: Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I mean, that's obviously something for the, for the scientists and stuff like that. Whether there's actually ever going to be a vaccine is a big question, isn't it? There's no guarantee how long that could take, and if, if at all. So it might just be that it's a brave new world and you have to take precautions. And this is this is the way... That sports going to be and, and mass gatherings are going to be in the future. We, we just don't know at the moment, do we? Um, there's so many questions which are completely above our pay grade for for, for certain. Um, I mean, obviously, we think that golf can take place, as being shown around the country today. It can be take can take place in a safe safe manner, but uh, pro golf is a different different beast, really. You know, if you think of all the players, all the the caddies all the people putting on the event, security, hospitality, things like that. Um, there's a lot more than a couple of people wandering around a, a local club. So um, there's there's an awful lot to, to be sorted about. And I think that they're actually going to wait and see to see how it goes with these first few PJ Tour events. I wouldn't be surprised. They're going to see if, if it's doable, if the tournaments can actually go ahead at all. Um, yeah, that's that's true. If If, I don't know, the social media
2: numbers are huge and, the fan interaction's quite good. And, yeah, perhaps they... Like uh, Harrington said recently in an interview with The Times, he said the Ryder Cup might have to take one for the team. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah think perhaps that's... if all the top wigs do quite like the idea of how it's going without fans, then, yeah, that's... they'll go ahead with it.
0: Exactly. And I think the, the, that fans' argument is kind of... It's a double-edged sword, really. The fans not being there at the event would obviously affect the atmosphere and it might affect the players a bit because they won't have all this huge support on the actual property but we're desperate for golf we're desperate for any sport at the moment and actually these are the kind of things which would get huge tv numbers and actually you know the people who are stuck at home who might not have be able to attend the event whatever these are the kind of things which actually might brighten up their their weeks their weekends actually their year because actually they may have been stuck at home for so long especially some of these people who are having to to live with these um, underlying health issues actually they're never going to be they're not in any position to go and watch live sport anyway the only way that they're going to really have a chance to interact with sport is through their their television and seeing uh, the professionals. so i think the Ryder cup could actually be you know in the right way a, a huge support to a lot lots of people even if they're not actually there yeah, I mean, we'll watch
2: it. The competition will still be great. The course will be great. I do feel very sorry for whistling straights and all of this because it's such an exceptional course. And with a full spectator outfit, it would have been incredible. And, you know, hopefully it hosts the Ryder Cup in the future when the world's not gone crazy. And, you know, the attendance can be massive. The atmosphere can be great. But I just don't see any way that's going to happen this year. Yeah,
0: yeah. It could happen. It could they, they could, could just, yeah, they could. They could just open it and say, you know, you've got to take your own precautions, you know, each each person for themselves. If you if you think you're vulnerable or you've got symptoms, you can't come, you know. But but, surely
2: there won't be any Europeans there. There won't be many people traveling over to Wisconsin from Europe in September.
0: You'd probably think not. <laughs> At the moment, we don't know what's going on with the, the travel arrangements, we, you know, there's um there's you know, they're already saying talking about quarantines in England. That's now being mentioned for the rest of Europe. Um at the moment I think the borders are pretty much shut in America. It's very tricky, isn't it? It's very tricky. So things will things will come out though. Things will will find out more in the future, the very near future, I think. So um uh we'll we'll wait and, and see on that. Uh, but there is some golf to be watched uh, you know, in, in the next week even, in the this coming Sunday, we have a charity match. Roy McIlroy and Dustin Johnson are taking on Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolfe in a charity skins match. And then the week after that, we have Tiger Woods and Tom Brady. Is that right? Versus Phil Mickelson and Peyton Manning. Have I got that the right, the right way round? I'm not sure. but um, uh,
2: I don't have a clue who's on either <laughs> side, to be honest.
0: Okay, but Tiger versus Phil in your, in your eyes, isn't it? So there's a couple of um, live bits of golf which you can watch on sundays coming up so it feels like there is golf is could get so many headlines from this as long as they do everything in the right way in the correct manner then that's all we can really ask of the sport and and everything and hopefully that everybody's doing the right thing across the board not just recreationally
2: yeah definitely i'm really looking forward to this sunday my birthday eve we've got Coconut milk ordered in, mango juice, pineapple juice, coconut rum, and have some pina coladas, watch some great golf.
0: I, I uh, must admit, yeah. I really wondered where on earth you were going with that, <laughs> with the pina milk, meal. I was like, hello, what's going on here?
2: But, uh, it, yeah, I'm sure you are. No, I'm really, really excited. Be pina
0: coladas. So it's your birthday Eve, so there's going to be pina coladas and watching uh, the skins match, is it?
2: Yeah, my girlfriend doesn't know that yet. But She knows about the pina coladas, but not the golf.
0: Well that sounds uh that sounds like great fun to be honest with you. It actually sounds like quite good fun. So um yeah, and uh yeah, it's great gonna be great to see Tiger and Phil obviously. Um we it doesn't really matter if they play well or not. I think it's we just wanna see them, don't we?
2: Yeah, that should be good to see how Tiger's injuries are actually. And then just another couple of weeks to wait before the PGA tour starts again. Um yeah, really exciting I think for golf fans at the moment, especially in England.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. So, on that, I think we'll leave uh, the thought of Elliot sipping pina coladas on Sunday evening where, as the last thing everyone has to re- remember from this week's podcast. As ever, do uh, follow us on our social media channels at Golf Mobility on Twitter and Instagram, and Golf Mobility Magazine on Facebook. And of course, uh, subscribe to us on our YouTube channel and also make sure to subscribe to us however you listen to us on, uh, via your podcast provider but until next week I'm very excited about next week we're going to hear from you about how you played golf this Friday and how drunk you got on Sunday watching the golf so that should be good uh, that should be good fun shouldn't
2: it yeah uh, I look forward to it it's going to be a great weekend and uh, yeah, I'll chat to you next week Tom thanks listeners absolutely
0: so until next week we'll speak to you then